Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. Here's your host, Miles Beacom. Clyde, one of the things that in reading about everything that you've accomplished is uh, just you were going to the uh, technical school down in Watertown and then you were asked to come. You were living in Aberdeen and they were asked to come to Brenton, I believe, to build a house. Can you tell us that story and how that all started? So my father had been an industrial arts teacher teaching shop, uh, wood shop and that type of thing. So I picked up my woodworking skills from him. I was going to Watertown uh, Votech School there to become an auto mechanic. That was my chosen vocation. I was kind of earning my way through school by doing uh, odd job, handyman jobs, uh, building a garage here and there and that type of thing. Um, When uh, school got out, and we were looking for work. My brother had come back from Colorado. We'd formed a partnership and we were just doing whatever uh, carpentry work we could find in Aberdeen. Uh, and a, a friend of the family was looking to build a house in Britain. It was several years before they would be able to get one accomplished. They asked us if we'd be interested in doing that. And my brother and I kind of looked at each other and said, well, we can build a garage. A house can't be that much more difficult. So we uh, gave him a price for building that. And we came up to Britain, uh, driving back and forth from Aberdeen. And uh, we got that house built. And before that house was built, we had another one or two to build here in Britain. So So how long were you building in Britain before you decided to move to Britain for that three month for that winter month was, was that early on in that first house that you were working on or so we were finishing up on the first house and uh, um, we had our our daughter right near the end of of that so uh, we had a young child and we had another house to build through the winter, it was going to be into the winter. And I looked at Sharon and said, uh, you know, I think it would be smart if we moved up to Britain just for the winter until we get this house done. So, and yeah. Sharon, now my question comes, <laughs> what did you think when Clyde said, let's move to Britain for three months or for the winter? I was happy with the winter. I mean, I was okay with that because I, I grew up in Aberdeen, which was bigger. Um, I had no inclination to ever live in a small town that was never my thought so it was okay to come for the winter well after the winter and he got done with that house another one came so it we just have stayed here it's been a long winter <laughs> it's been a long winter but it's been a great winter hasn't it just it has, seeing the impact that you yes. two have been able to make on this community it's yeah. very impressive it has it has been nice so what did you guys have a discussion or two after he said, okay, now we've added another house and another house, so we have to stay here a little bit longer? Uh, did you ever ask, when are we moving back to Aberdeen? Or? No, I never did, because at that point in time, it we had been here long enough that you do kind of get settled. And so it was all right. Yeah. Great. And we built a house, too. I think we'd been here two years. 
Yeah, two or three. About a year. Yeah. No, because yeah. it was 77 two. we built that okay. house. Yeah. So um, about a year and a half into living here, we built our own house to live in. So that kind of settles you then. You're here. <laughs> Thank goodness that happened. So that was that was great news. But So you're building houses and all of a sudden you get into doing trusses and walls tell that story as well and then talk about the organizations that you built from those okay so we had started out just building houses and working out of a trailer um there came a point when we were building uh built in cabinetry for the kitchens and and that type of thing so we wanted to put up a small shop to be able to build that there in inclement weather, um, we get hard winters here. Everybody knows that. So we wanted a place that we could do some work and try to make some money at least in, uh, during the winter months. So um, we were building the walls for some of the houses we were doing. We would build them inside when it got rainy um, or when it was cold. And then we'd transport those out to the job site and, and put them up. And then we were building our roof trusses there also and in the in the new shop. And we thought it would be worth it to try to sell a few of those roof trusses to other local lumber yards. So that was the genesis of uh, building uh, trusses. And that was 1978 when we started that. And was there a big so, demand for other companies to buy your trusses right off the bat? No, there really wasn't uh, much of a demand in the actual um, truss industry as we know it today. The wood components industry really only got it starting about the 19, uh, late 1960s when the steel uh, nail plate was invented and, and start became popular. So it still was a rather... Uh, uh, it, it was a business that was still very much in its infancy. So uh, we didn't know it at the time, um, but it was, it, was, it was fairly new. Most houses were built with just, you buy the sticks and you put it up, just common rafters and, uh, and roof joists. So the trusses allowed larger spans, uh, larger rooms without having bearing walls and headers in the way. So that's where that got started and it became more popular. And nationwide, actually, the Plains area, the upper Midwest is one of the early adopters of that for uh, majority of the building. So we just, we're fortunate to be in this area. Talk about your, for just a moment, the automation that you came up with with the trusses as well. When we first started building trusses, um, most trusses were a very basic shape. Um, it had, they all had about the same pitch and it had a 24, 26, 28 foot uh, house or garage and that's what you built. So we would set up the, the jig table where you did the assembly, we'd set that up and then you'd build for a day or sometimes two days, you'd build all the same shape. In the 1980s, when the first uh, personal computers became available, shortly after that, architects and engineers started designing more and more complicated roof lines. And trusses became more complicated to build, um, required setting up the jig more often. 
we went from where we would set up the jig once and you might build 50 roof trusses the same shape to jobs where you would set up the jig and you would build one or two trusses and then you would have to change the shape or change the jig again and the jigging process became more time consuming than actually building the trusses well the customer doesn't want to pay you for your time to set up the jig they only want to pay you for the truss um, so it became less profitable to do the complicated jobs consequently most trust plants didn't do the complicated jobs well competition is always tough and there's always somebody wanting your work <clears throat> so we kind of needed to figure out a way to do the more complicated jobs more efficiently and we tried various methods um, some rudimentary uh, jigging to speed things up and they helped a little bit here and there we reached the point where we started looking there were two manufacturers of automated jigging um, we looked at those systems to purchase those but they were um, it, not only expensive but they also had um, major drawbacks in them whether it be maintenance whether it be um, um, breakdowns um, just that kind of thing so we gave up on those and we just started asking ourselves if we could come up with an idea and a better method and just talking with uh, my partners uh, talking with employees we finally came up with an idea i was able to put uh, something together and form a plan it's amazing when you talk to the employees that are the experts that are doing it every single day their <laughs> idea is to, to really simplify e something exactly ask them what it would take to make their job easier yeah they can come up with some pretty good ideas so sharon what did you think when first you come here because you're building houses pretty soon you're doing cabinets and trusses inside yeah. warehouse and all these new businesses that clyde's getting his fingers into do you ever think what in the world did i get myself into <laughs> no not really we just went with it i mean it it just was a natural flow of what he'd started and so we just kept going with it. Oh, good. So, and, and you need that support, and, and I, I know that. But uh, yeah. tell me, what do you think it was the biggest challenge uh, in moving to Britain and taking on these new opportunities, we'll call them? Oh, the largest challenge, uh, prob probably the, uh, the best part about all this is we really didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> So that might have been a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, benefit to not really knowing what we were getting into. We just um, just had that that uh, confidence that we could figure it out. Um, a few times that we failed um, before we made those steps uh, that led to failure, we made sure we had a backup plan um, and uh, a lot of faith and. A lot of that going forward, just uh, pretty confident in, in ourselves or the other partner that I had, the other partners that I had, um, that we could work it out together. So. Did you ever think about once you had all these successful businesses going here in Britain, did you ever think we should move this to Aberdeen and move back home and, and more people around and some of those things? Did you ever think about that or? Were you ever offered opportunities to do something like that? 
So that's, um, no, we really never did. And part of it is as the growth from osmosis, as you start very, very small and, and you have one employee and you have three employees and you have five employees, um, it takes time and it grows and it's kind of an organic growth. And you start to build your relationships with your employees. And as the business owner, oftentimes you're the last one to get paid. And, and oftentimes we didn't get paid when the employees did. Um, yeah. So you kind of build up that relationship and you have that sense of responsibility that you are responsible for their livelihood and for them feeding their family. So um, whether or not we thought about uh, moving, there were a couple of events that happened. There was a time when <clears throat> the local railroad in, in uh, Britain getting lumber brought in, um, the railroad was shut down and we started looking at options and the additional cost of additional freight to have it come in on trucks instead of trains. <clears throat> we ran the numbers and actually, if the railroad would not have been able to open up and come back into Britain, the additional cost of freight would have paid for a new building in another town. So that was something that we had considered briefly, but we just had a strong desire. This is where our families were, and now we had established our roots, and, and we really didn't have a desire to leave. So, and I give you both a lot of credit because uh, you built an incredible organization, or organizations, I should say, and you realize the importance of family and it's just not employees you're taking care of it's all those families that you're taking care of as well and the impact that they have on this community and the other thing that you've always done is you've done things right for the long term and there's many times you probably could have taken a shortcut in your career but that would have been a short-term success versus the long-term success that you've seen by doing things right uh, both for the business and the community yeah. uh, so I, my uh, just congratulations yeah. on that and and hopefully more people can understand uh, the challenges that you had and you mentioned the train every organization has challenges in it and it's the ones that will get together and work through those challenges that truly are going to be long-term success because mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy for people to throw in the towel but if they look at those challenges instead of throwing in the towel they could really be Become very very successful and that's one of the things we really want to push with people when things get tough don't just throw in the towel and move on to something else uh, believe in the organization you're with and continue to work with it for overall success yeah sharon can tell you much better than than i can about the number of late nights i had and i didn't come home for from work yep. or i missed a basketball game or i missed uh other activities and things like that whether they be family events or whatever just because we had to keep the business running so, yeah. Clyde, with the technology for trust, how many cities in the country now is using your technology? Oh, there are probably somewhere around um, 400 to, yeah, somewhere over 400 uh, trust plants in the United States and Canada that are using our technology, our equipment that's built right here in Britain, South Dakota. Think of the impact that you two have had on all these homes throughout the country. 
with that technology and making it easier for those homes to be built for families as well. Uh, it's just not Britain, South Dakota, but it's across the country. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and that's one of the stories I like to tell about small town South Dakota. I mean, we have um, we have Horton Industries in town, so most of the semi trucks you see coming at you on the highway whether you're in chicago or or texas or wherever it doesn't matter most of them have a fan clutch built in britain south dakota and now this product um, the automated jigging um, there again most all of the trust plants have that or have been affected by it and that's something that it took uh, jobs that might have taken four hours to build and now they're getting those jobs built in two hours or less. So that has helped bring the cost of housing down. And it's a small component, a small part of it, but still it's an incremental uh, advancement. So, mm -hmm. Why do you think you two have been so successful here in not only Britain, but again, across the country with the technology that you've helped to provide versus anybody else. What do you think are the key traits for your success? Oh, for, uh, well, one thing is you had that trust plant uh, here in town that you put your table into and you worked with it for how many years right. before you decided that it should become a commercial product maybe. Yep. So it had a lot of testing that you worked out all the bugs before you ever yep. put it out there. And, and the people that we had helping uh, with, the, with the design work, with the manufacturing of it, um, they all were important. We have a machine shop in town that does, they do parts for people all over the country. And we worked with them and they were able to help us refine the gearbox and get our tolerances right. So <clears throat> we have we have gearboxes in our system that have been in operation in the field for um, uh, 16 years now that have not had any maintenance done to them. And it's just partly the design, partly working with everybody else. And like I said, their their knowledge of how they need to machine the parts and, and how to make it fit right so it's straight and square and everything works and runs without a problem. And so it's just a, yeah, it's just a, uh, adding everybody in and, and looking for other people to help with uh, answers. Um, so, yeah. You know, things I see that have really driven the success for, for you guys the one is your determination and again you've had some tough times in there and you could have thrown in the towel and gone back to Aberdeen or something we said no we can, yep. we can do that you're believing community and making sure that uh, you take care of each other you, you you went without paychecks when you paid your employees and that is an incredible leadership skill and it's tough to do uh, especially when you have little ones yourself uh, and, th and then you look at the willingness to collaborate with other people to bring in and get their ideas, uh, not thinking that you have to come up with all the ideas yourself. And when you're able to pull people in and share those ideas to improve the process, that's, that's a real key where a lot of people are just afraid to ask for help. And in any successful businesses out there, it's because they collaborate and they bring people in saying, how can I improve as an organization or improve this product? And you've continued to do that here too with each of the programs that you've had. 
Yes, absolutely. And then I and I just look at Brenton and the success of this community and, and the beauty of this community and, and uh, the vibrancy of it. And uh, so I think you made an incredible move uh, for that three month move that's still going on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what an yeah. impact you've had. And you have to be very proud of the impact yeah. that you've had on the community of Brenton as yeah. well. Yep. And you're also the mayor of Brenton right now. So. Uh, yeah, I got that sentence a while ago. Back a few <laughs> so years how many ago. years? <laughs> I think it's been six years now. So well, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Anything so. you'd like to add and share with the uh, people of South Dakota on uh, really the keys to your success? So uh, my life has taken a lot of strange turns, unplanned turns um, every step of the way. Um, like, I, like I said, I started out, I wanted to be an auto mechanic. I wanted to work on cars. That's what I wanted to do. Um, I learned carpentry skills, kind of picked it up you know, through family. Um, later on, in, when, I, when I abandoned the vocation of being an auto mechanic, when I abandoned that, it wasn't wasted because later on when we started the trust plant and we started and we were poor and we couldn't afford much. So we were literally buying other people's machinery that they were throwing out and they were scrapping out. So we bought that and I had to fix that. So the skills that I learned in auto mechanics, learning how to take care of bearings and learning how things fit together and things like that, I was able to incorporate those. So that was, that was not any part of the plan, <clears throat> but I was able to use the skills that I acquired along the way and I figured out how what can I do to apply those? So when we started looking at buying old junk equipment, um, yeah, I just had, uh, I think I've learned enough in the past that I can apply that. So each step along the way was able to apply things that I had picked up in the past, things that I had asked other people for, or things that I knew other people knew how to do that I didn't. So bring them in to your circle. So um, forming partnerships and forming those relationships, I think is the, is, is the key. And uh, don't be afraid to go out and to try something. You have a dream and you have a vision. Uh, it probably isn't going to turn out the way you in originally intended, but enjoy the ride along the way. And it's amazing how you've chased the dreams as well uh, and together. So congratulations yeah. again. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.